Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to Unbothered. Today, a lot to get into. Week before football season starts, I'm going to be talking about who I think is going to be the best second-year quarterback, which one I think will take a slump, my preseason awards, who I think will win MVP, defensive player of the year, offensive player of the year this NFL season, on my way to making my final predictions ahead of this NFL season. Then I'll also be talking about the blockbuster trade yesterday between the Utah Jazz and the Cleveland Cavaliers, what that means for the Cavs, Donovan Mitchell, going there, moving forward. And then recently announced college football has agreed to expand the playoff to 12 teams. I react to that. I make some college football predictions. And, of course, what would it be without a live golf versus PGA Tour debate? So I'm going to talk about that. And then also finish up with Serena Williams, the GOAT. Is she going to win the U.S. Open? So let's get right into it. Starting with Russell Wilson. Yes, Russell Wilson signed a five-year, $245 million deal with the Denver Broncos. This pretty much sets it up for Russell Wilson to finish his career there. And that's what he wanted. That contract also includes $165 million in guaranteed money. I like this contract for both parties. I like it for Russell Wilson because he didn't break the bank with this contract with the Denver Broncos. He didn't, you know, hold them hostage, you know, like Aaron Rodgers has done. He didn't make it all guaranteed like Deshaun Watson. Yes, it's a big contract in terms of, you know, annual value. He's second in terms of that, right behind Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is making uh, $50 million a year. Denver, or Russell Wilson's making forty nine. His guaranteed money, you know, is third. It's behind Deshaun Watson. It's even behind Kyler Murray. Uh, so I like how he did a get this crazy contract. He said to him it wasn't, you know, necessarily about the money, but he just wants to win more Super Bowls. You know, looking ahead towards the long term, I think this is a great deal for him. And I also think it's a great deal for this football team as well. Like I said, it's not handicapping uh, the Denver Broncos. It's all at all. They're not, they don't have this huge cap hit for Russell Wilson. There's still flexibility for players that they have on their roster and what they want to do. And I also think it's, you know, good for both parties to get this deal done early uh, because as we've seen uh, with Aaron Rodgers, you know, the uncertainty around him and his contract on a yearly basis. A part of that was, you know, the reasoning behind Devontae Adams leaving. He's, he wanted somebody who knew was going to be there uh, with him the rest of the way, which is why he went towards Derek Carr. And I think this is good for other free agent or future free agent signings as well, who might be considering the Denver Broncos. Uh, they don't have to wonder who their quarterback is going to be, uh, is he going to play this year? Is there a franchise tag? You know, is there all this drama surrounding my quarterback? And there isn't with Russell Wilson now. It's the contract set in stone. To me, uh, this is very reminiscent of Peyton Manning. You know, you're going to have, I think, free agents come in the following years. Uh, to Denver, Russell Wilson, I think they're building a great team. I think Russell's a great quarterback. And, you know, do I see Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos winning multiple Super Bowls in the next five years? No, not multiple. Uh, you know, the AFC, to me, is too stacked to, you know, come out of there repeatedly, repeatedly. But I do think Russell Wilson and their Denver Broncos at least get one Super Bowl from this deal. I really do. I think they have a great uh, coaching system, Russell Wilson, is a franchise quarterback. Uh, they have an emerging top 10 running back in Javante Williams. Uh, they got decent weapons. And I think they'll add the defensive side of the ball is decent as well. Pastor Tan's emerging as one of the better cornerbacks in this league. 
Justin Simmons is a prolific safety. So they are building uh, this team. Do I think they win the Super Bowl? No. I think they're kind of a year away from really being in the conversation of winning the Super Bowl. Do I think they're a playoff contender? Absolutely. Do I think they can make it past a wild card round into the divisional? Yeah, I think they can make a decent playoff run. Uh, but I do think they're an elite wide receiver or weapon away uh, from really making noise. But I do see Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos winning one Super Bowl during the duration of this contract. Uh, and so I'm approaching and I think that's how Denver feels as well. Uh, I think it's a failure if they at least don't even reach the Super Bowl. Uh, but I do think Russell Wilson adds another one, and so do the Denver Broncos. Moving on to another quarterback contract. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo reworked his deal with the 49ers, so he is staying for one more year with the 49ers. And to me, this was the best possible outcome for San Francisco. Love what San Francisco did here. And for Jimmy Garoppolo to kind of have the humility to rework his contract, which was going to account for, you know, $25 million by next week, uh, to get it down to around six and a half, seven million. The humility he took on that part to take substantially less money and also to be fine accepting a backup role uh, when you have led this team to a Super Bowl uh, and another separate NFC Championship game appearance and you're a proven winner. Uh, it takes humility to do that. So kudos to Jimmy G. And kudos to the 49ers, because you look at the teams that, uh, with quarterbacks, nobody needs a quarterback. And you can look at teams that, you know, need quarterbacks that are not in the playoffs, like the Falcons and the Seahawks. Uh, but like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to benefit those teams, and those teams are rebuilding. They're looking ahead to the future, so they don't want Jimmy Garoppolo or both extra wins because they're going to get their quarterback in the draft. Uh, so there was no logical trade partner out there for Jimmy Garoppolo. His best option was to come back to the 49ers. So I like this move, especially if, you know, and it, this move also, to me, puts a pressure on Trey Lance, uh, tremendous pressure on him. Like I said, he has a, you know, easy couple of games to start off with. Uh, I think they should easily be 2-0. They play the Bears, and they play the Seahawks. Uh, if they start 1-1, one one, that's scary. If they start 0-2, Jimmy Garoppolo's coming in in the third week because that Sunday night game, it's against the Broncos in Denver. It's Russell Wilson. It's prime time. And then you have another prime time game against the Rams. So, like I said, Jimmy Garoppolo is already the best backup in the league, and he knows this system. So if Trey Lance isn't working out, this roster is built to win. So, yes, this team, you know, is going to win now. They're in win-now mode. Uh, great for Jimmy Garoppolo to do this. Saves the 49ers money. Uh, you don't have to worry about cutting him, hoping, you know, the Seattle Seahawks don't pick him up and it comes to bite you uh, back. So very, very good move for this team. Next up, Dak Prescott says he and the Cowboys are ready to prove the doubters wrong. Is he right? Is Dak right about this? No, Dak's not right. He's not proving the doubters wrong. They're not going to prove anything this season. The only thing they're going to prove is that they're the same team as last year or worse. I think they're going to have a ton of penalty yards as a team again. Uh, I think their passing attack is going to take a step back without Amari Cooper. I think their rushing attack is also going to take a step back with another season under the tank for Ezekiel Elliott. Tony Pollard, you know, 
has some explosive plays, but he's not, you know, a real threat back there that defenses worry about. So when your main guy is C.D. Lamb that you have to worry about, then it makes it easier for opposing defenses. And knowing Dak, where he's already sort of this roller coaster type quarterback, where he'll have stretches of greatness and stretches of mediocrity, uh, he's going to have to play better. The whole team's going to have to play better. They also just lost Tyron Smith, their left tackle, uh, was is one of the best in the league. So this team's facing some adversity. They also didn't get better in the offseason. Like I said, they lost Samari Cooper on the offensive side. Defensive side, they lost Randy Gregory. Uh, that, hurts, uh, that hurts them in terms of rotating the pass rush when you look at Lawrence and uh, Micah Parsons. Hurts them. They didn't you know, do anything spectacular in the secondary to short head up. Whereas the Eagles in the division, excellent draft. Uh, also acquired A.J. Brown in that draft slash free agency period. So I'm worried about the Cowboys. They were good last year, 12-5 and five record. Uh, if you're proving the doubters wrong, you're repeating that record at least, maybe picking up an extra win, 13-4. and four. I don't see that. You're also adding a playoff win or two, you know, trying to make it to the NFC Championship game. Jerry Jones says he expects a deep playoff runner this season to failure. So with that being said, this season is going to be another massive failure for the Dallas Cowboys. Yet again, they will not be making it to the NFC Championship game. They also won't be making it to the divisional round. And they'll be lucky to make it to the playoffs with this team uh, and win their division. And if they do end up winning their division or making a playoff, they will be a first-round exit, much similar to last year, because they're not a good team. Another quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, is this his last chance? Yes, I think so. I think this is Tua's last chance to prove himself that he is an NFL-capable capable quarterback. His past two seasons, he's had a couple of injuries. Uh, to me, he is an accurate quarterback. Uh, doesn't make, you know all the decisions that you want him to uh, with the football, a little shaky, a little rocky. Uh, but last year they drafted Jalen Waddell, and that helped Tua out a lot. Uh, former college teammates, you could tell they had a connection. Now they add Tyreek Hill into this offense. This offense is very fast. They added running backs, another offensive lineman to protect Tua, and Karen Armstead, a premier left tackle. So they have built this offense for Tua to operate successfully. You look at any of the other top quarterbacks in the league, uh, if you were to put Russell Wilson in this situation with the Dolphins, a Matthew Stafford, a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, uh, of course, Aaron, to me, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, those guys will work anywhere. But even a Kyler Murray, you put those guys in Tua situation, very challenging Josh Allen and the Bills for not just AFC West or AFC East supremacy, but AFC supremacy at all in total. So, yes, this is to his last chance because depending on what Lamar Jackson does, he could be a free agent next year. Yes, they could try to franchise tag him, that being the Baltimore Ravens. But if he's playing in the last year of his contract, I highly doubt that he'll want to keep on playing on these one-year deals. Uh, with the type of quarterback that he is, the play style that he has. So I think this is to his last chance. You also remember they've got a couple first-round picks next year. Uh, they would have had three, uh, but one got forfeited. So they got one from the Niners uh, as well because of that mega trade they had for Trey Lance. So they could always maneuver in the draft as well to try to get another quarterback, a Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, since they have those draft uh, picks. So it's going to be very interesting. But there's a lot of pressure on Tua this year to succeed. Now, he can ease up a little bit because I'm not talking about you got to win the division right now because Josh Allen, the Bills, are a better team. But you at least got to make the playoffs. The past couple of years, you've been right there uh, 
you know, miss out by a game. So to prove it's different this year, you've got to play better. You've got to lead your team to the playoffs. Tua's been raving about you. Head coach Mike McDaniel's been raving about you. So you've got to put the success now on the field if you're Tua to prove that you're that guy. So last year, we had a lot of first-round rookie quarterbacks playing. We had five of them taken in the first round. All five saw playing time last year. But who do I think is going to take a couple of jumps? Who do I think is going to take a step back? So I analyzed this out of the five quarterbacks that were taken last year. Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Mac Jones. I think three of them are relatively going to be the same. Uh, Justin Fields, I think, is going to be similar to last year. Uh, Obviously, I think his production will be higher because you won't have Nick Foles uh, behind him or Andy Dalton. He's kind of a main guy, but without weapons or a good offensive line, I don't see him taking this huge second-year jump as a quarterback that we've seen in the past. We've seen Joe Burrow in his second year last year take his team to a Super Bowl. Tom Brady, his second year, win the Super Bowl. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, his second year, win MVP. So we've seen a lot of second-year jumps from quarterbacks, not seeing that from Justin Fields. Uh, His production a little better because he's going to start more. But don't see those Joe Burrow, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes-type jumps. Trevor Lawrence, what about him? I'm kind of the same on Justin Fields last year. Trevor Lawrence was tied with Matthew Stafford for most interceptions at 17. It's awfully high. Uh, He also had a lot of distractions with the Jaguars. Uh, The disgraced head coach, Urban Meyer, who I somehow back at the Fox noon kickoff. Uh, I had a previous podcast about that, so I won't get into much detail. But he had a failure at a head coach in Urban Meyer. Uh, I think this system is now much more quarterback friendly. It's much more NFL style, much more adult than the one Urban Meyer ran now with Doug Peterson. So I do think Trevor Lawrence is going to improve uh, and be a little better. Won't, you know, turn the ball over as much. But he doesn't have a legitimate number one. They signed a bunch of money to Christian Kirk. I didn't like that deal at all. Uh, They get Travis Etienne back, who, you know, got hurt, was hurt all the last year. So I think he'll be minimally better, but I don't see a huge improvement. And then another quarterback, I feel the same way as Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, is Zach Wilson. I don't see a big jump from Zach Wilson. Maybe it's just because I've watched the Jets, you know, for so long and they've been bad for so long. Yes. I think they had a terrific draft. They went out and got Garrett Wilson, uh, addressed the needs on the defense as well, got another running back. But I'm not entirely sold on Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson, who knows when exactly his first game will be. Uh, you know, I forget if it was a torn meniscus or sprained meniscus, but he's going to be out. Uh, he was out most of the preseason after the first game, all the preseason after that. So we'll see how he returns. But again, not sold on this offensive line. And, you know, I think Zach Wilson's going to be similar to last year. Trey Lance, what about him? I think it's inevitable. To me, he's going to take the biggest jump out of the group. Uh, Again, they have the weapons. They got the Debo Samuels, the George Kittle. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was able to operate this offense successfully. Trey Lance has had an up-and-down preseason. But last year, he had a couple up-and-down games against the Cardinals. It was kind of down against the Texans. It was up. Uh, So we'll see how it goes in his second year where he's, you know, the full-time starter moving forward. But he's primed to take the biggest jump. I think he's going to be a great NFL quarterback. Uh, I think he's in a system to win. I think he's a dark horse to win MVP. I like his, you know, arms, power, arm strength. Uh, the fact that in college, never threw an interception. To me, that's a big deal. That's big on decision-making uh, as well and, you know, trusting your talent. And I think Kyle Shanahan uh, and this offense is going to put him in positions to do just that. So Trey Lance, to me, you know, I like uh, 
taking the biggest jump. You know, to me, I think he can take a Joe Burrow type jump, a Patrick Mahomes type jump in that second year uh, and get to an NFC championship game. So I think he'll take the biggest jump. What about a slump? I think it's going to go to Mac Jones. Mac Jones had a terrific rookie year last year, was the best rookie quarterback last year by far. I think was second in offensive rookie of the year voting behind Jamar Chase. High completion percentage, percentage, operated efficiently with the Patriots. Why do I think he's going to take a step back, though, when usually quarterbacks on that trajectory take a bigger step forward? Well, to me, there's two key things here. One, it's the offensive coordinator. Josh McDaniels, to me, is one of, was one of the best offensive coordinators. Learned a lot with Brady. He was able to implement this with Mac Jones, and Mac Jones looked good. Uh, Josh McDaniels is now gone. Who's calling plays? We don't know. Uh, what's his name? Bill Belichick says that, you know, he doesn't want to really assert titles. So we don't know who's calling plays, who's really the official offensive coordinator. But it looks to be Matt Patricia, who was just a mediocre defensive coordinator with the Patriots and was a terrible coach for the Detroit Lions. So uh, I do think that's going to hurt him. And I also think not having weapons. Uh, you know, you've got the Nelson Aguilars of the world, the Hunter Henrys. Uh, you got decent guys, but, you know, I thought that the Patriots should have had a home run hitter either through the draft or through free agency, acquiring a wide receiver that you could have a connection with Mac Jones for years to come, like a Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, like Patrick Mahomes with, with Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. Uh, you want a duo like that. So I think Mac Jones is going to take a step back this year because how much trust he's going to have in those receivers. So biggest second year I'm going to give to Trey Lance. The slump I'm going to give to Mac Jones. Now time to hand out some preseason awards. Who do I think will win MVP? Is it going to be Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to win his fifth MVP, Todd Peyton Manning? No, I don't think so. I think Josh Allen is going to win MVP this year. Uh, he has improved every single year. He has looked great uh, in a few playoff games as well. I think Josh Allen is coming into the season with a chip on his shoulder, with great poise. Uh, and he's taken the league by storm. Uh, I think he's still upset and frustrated by that loss to the Chiefs. But I don't think that's going to let him linger and hold him back. I think he's going to be slinging the ball. Stephon Diggs is going to have a monster year. Gabriel Davis. I think Josh Allen takes home the MVP. I think he throws close to, you know, 5,000 yards. I think he throws for 40 touchdowns. And I also think he rushes for around 750 uh, and also scores around five touchdowns on the ground as well. I think Josh Allen has a phenomenal year with the Bills. He also leads them to the number one seed. So, you you know, if he has, you know, you know, top three quarterback stats along with, you know, the best team in your league or in your conference, I think that's very, you know, worthy of winning the MVP. Now on the flip side of that, other quarterback I think is going to be there, Tom Brady. Tom Brady to me is the GOAT to everybody that's reasonable and has watched football, acknowledges that he's the GOAT. And the fact that he's still doing it at 45, 44 years old just speaks to a testament of how good he really is. And he's another guy I think is going to be throwing for close to 5,000 yards, 40-plus touchdowns as well. I also think he's a touch more accurate than Josh Allen. will have a higher QBR. Uh, and like I said, Josh Allen will be the best team. His team will be the best in the AFC. Conversely, I think Tom Brady and the Bucks they're going to be the best team in the NFC. So it's really going to be a coin toss between Josh Allen and Tom Brady there. Of course, with my preference, I'd give it to Tom Brady. But I'm giving it to Josh Allen just because of the narrative and how the voters work that usually give it to the guy that hasn't won three MVPs before, unless you're Aaron Rodgers. But I'd give it. But I think Tom Brady's going to have an excellent shot. I also think Justin Herbert has a good shot as well. 
considering he has tremendous talent, hasn't made the playoffs. Uh, can he get there this year? Uh, again, he's been better. You know, he expounded on his first year with a terrific second year. And I think Justin Herbert, you know, is a guy who is going to go absolutely off this year with Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Uh, offensive line has gotten better throughout his years there. Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. Uh, I think the Chargers, oper- Chargers offense will operate at a very highly efficient level. But Tom, but Justin Herbert, uh, you know, is the engineer of that offense and they're going to do very well. So those are my MVP favorites with Josh Allen leading the way. Offensive player of the year. I'm also giving that to Josh Allen because he's going to have such a prolific year. He'll win MVP and offensive player of the year. But if they don't give it to a quarterback, a couple of other guys I'm looking at, Jamar Chase, last year won offensive rookie of the year. I think Jamar Chase is going to take another step forward this year. I think he's going to be absolutely electric. Again, had so many big plays last year. I think that continues this year. You combine his size, strength, speed, his ability to catch the ball, run routes, his vision. Uh, he's kind of a full package at wide receiver. I like Jamar Chase in the you know wide receiver spot is kind of a guy to win offensive player of the year. Another one who has won offensive player of the year as well, Derrick Henry. Yes, you know, Derrick Henry, fantastic running back. Got injured last year. Uh, everybody kind of forgot about him with how good Jonathan Taylor took off after Derrickson, Derrick Henry's injury. They forget that, you know, after week nine, before his injury, Derrick Henry was like 300 yards up on everybody else from a rushing crown. Um, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor, everybody talks about him, but Najee Harris is with Dalvin Cooks. I think Derrick Henry is going to have another monster year, and he is going to be very close to breaking uh, Dickerson's record for most rushing yards in a single season. I think Derrick Henry eclipses 2,000 yards on the ground. Defensive player of the year, Miles Garrett. That's where I'm going to me. It seems like an award of, you know, just how good of you on your team. And I think this goes to Miles Garrett because he is one of the greatest pass rushers in the game right now. To me, I like him a little bit uh, motor-wise and, you know, talent-wise over TJ Watt. I think he's great. And when you look at this team, it's going to be quarterbackless basically for the first 11 games, 12 weeks of there with no Deshaun Watson. Uh, I think Miles Garrett is going to be terrific on defense. I think he's going to lead the league in sacks this year. I think he's going to lead the league in tackles for loss. I think Miles Garrett is going to be playing out of his mind, and that's why he'll win Defensive Player of the Year. And then you got your other guys, Aaron Donald, who needs no explanation, will always garner some votes and consideration. He'll be in contention, and I also think T.J. Watt will be as well. Now, Offensive Rookie of the Year. This usually goes to the best rookie quarterback, but there weren't many this year. In fact, Kenny Pickett was the only first-rounder, but he's not even starting for the Steelers. That's Mitch Trubisky. And then the other ones, you know, Malik Willis isn't starting. Desmond Ritter isn't either. That's going to Marcus Mariota. So I really don't think this is going to a quarterback. Uh, I think it's going to a wide receiver. I think it's going to one out of Ohio State. Uh, Drake London is also facing a knee injury. Uh, and his quarterback situation is terrible. Uh, whereas Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are in a little better situations and they have better quarterbacks. So I think it's going to be a battle uh, for Ohio State right here, which former alum gets it. And I think it's you know going to be between Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Their defensive rookie of the year. I'm going Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, Watching hard knocks, watching the preseason. I think Aiden Hutchinson's also playing with a little chip on his shoulder, but he wasn't picked number one. But I think deep down he's actually happy because he's in a great situation with Dan Campbell, uh, with his hometown team, Detroit Lions, still with his family. Uh, So the situation fits him perfectly. Uh, His motor, his edge, 
To me, he reminds me of a Nick Bosa, a Joey Bosa, where this guy who was great in college, his game translates to the NFL, and he has a fantastic rookie year, wins defensive rookie of the year. And I think he'll be, you know, top five in sacks. You know, we see, you know, Nick Bosa, a true defensive end in that 4-3 scheme, you know, with about, you know, 15, 16 sacks a year. I can see Aiden Hutchinson with similar numbers. Last year, he pulled up with like 13 and a half, 14 sacks. I can see him in his rookie year, uh, depending, depending on how many people double team him beginning on. I can see him easily getting around the 15 sack mark uh, right there. So Aiden Hutchinson to me is winning defensive rookie of the year. Now, last topic for the NFL is my top five teams. Going into next week, this is my final preseason top five ranking. And here we go. To me, you know, and I'm just going based off talent and teams here. To me, team number five, it's the Los Angeles Chargers. I look at their team, and there is so much talent on that Chargers team. It's sort of ridiculous how talented uh, that team is. Uh, When you look at all their positions, the Justin Herbert, a quarterback, the running back, Austin Eckler. And then you've got on the defensive side, you know, you traded for Khalil Mack. They already had Joey Bosa. You paired him. That's a formidable formidable pass rush. Derwin James was one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, They signed J.C. Jackson. So to me, the only thing really missing is their, you know, Mike Linebacker of the middle of the field there. But they're going to get to the quarterback. I think we're going to shut down opposing wide receivers. And Justin Herbert has people to throw the ball to. He's going to be excellent. So, yes, I think the Los Angeles Chargers, or the LA Chargers, are right there at five. What about four? I'm going with the Green Bay Packers. Yes, they lost Devontae, but... Aaron Rodgers, he just wins, especially in the regular season. He plays at such a high level that I have a hard time picking against the Green Bay Packers. As much as I'd like for them to sort of slowly fall and tail off, do I think they'll be as good as last year? No. But I think a lot of the league is kind of tightened up near the top where you don't have, you know, one or just one or two great teams. You've got a lot of really, really good teams who can make a run. And when you got Aaron Rodgers, a back-to-back MVP, even though they don't have a true number one wide receiver, he's going to make plays. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon are two terrific running backs. And then the defensively, I think they're sound. Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Adrian Amos, Jair Alexander's back healthy for this whole season. Uh, to me, you know, I like the Green Bay Packers still. Uh to win this, uh, to be very good. Number three, Cincinnati Bengals. Yep, Cincinnati Bengals to me are a team that I think is going to expound on their previous year. Last year they went to the Super Bowl, you know, and I don't think they peaked there. I see this team winning a Super Bowl. I just do. Uh, I don't know if it's this year, but in the next couple of years, to me, it's kind of inevitable. With Joe Burrow as your quarterback, the best wide receiver group that's young too, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon's a top five running back. So you pair that, their weakness was the offensive line. They went out and signed three new offensive linemen. They went out and got Lyle Collins, one of the best right tackles. Alex Kappa, who was a good right guard, and Ted Karras, who's a good center. So you were playing a bunch of backup guys that, you know, your offensive line, you went out and improved. So that helps. Defensively, I think they were sound. Trey Hendrickson is the leader of that front four. He can get after the quarterback. And then in the secondary, uh, Awuzie 
is terrific. Jesse Bates, they also drafted Dax Hill from Michigan, have Von Bell. Uh, so Cincinnati, terrific, terrific team. Number two, Buffalo Bills. Yes, Buffalo, Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. To me, another big movie made was Von Miller. That was just a terrific move for them to kind of shore up any defensive laps. Lapses, especially getting after the quarterback where you need to get after uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, and Joe Burrow, you know, and Russell Wilson. After all these guys, uh, I think he's going to be on another level this year. So just good for them uh, doing that. Uh, And then also you get Tredavious White coming back. They have a best safety combination and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. So like them. And then who do I think is number one? Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, led by the GOAT. So many people are worried about this offensive line. It's like every day the recurring theme is offensive line issues. I can't guard Brady. Brady's going to have no time. It's I'm, I'm worried about Brady back there. Brady's going to like – Relax. We haven't even played a game yet. And people are, A, worried, and B, want to see Tom and this team not do good. They really don't want that. But guess what? They're the best team. They don't talk about the additions they made. They only talk about the subtractions with Tom Brady. What they talk about is Gronk's not there, Marpet retired, and uh, Ryan Jensen got hurt. That's the only thing they talk about, and they say, oh, you know, boo-hoo Tampa Bay. Tom, you're going to suck. It's me, your worst year. They're going to send you back into retirement for good this time. What do they not talk about? They don't talk about the additions of Russell Gage and Julio Jones, uh, Shaq Mason, uh, Kyle Rudolph, uh, Akeem Hicks on the defensive side where you got beat of A and now you pair Akeem Hicks. Where you're not running the football on this team. I'm sorry, San Francisco and L.A. and Green Bay. You're not running the football. And they got a decent secondary. Logan Ryan, Antoine Winfield is your safety duo. To me, above average. Carlton Davis can lock down when healthy. I'm not worried about this team. To me, Tampa Bay is number one going into the season. Those are my top five teams. Chargers, Packers, Bengals, Bills, Bucks. There you go. Book it. Top five teams going into this season. Now let's move on to the NBA. About the big blockbuster trade yesterday, which was Donovan Mitchell going to the Cavs. Excellent move by them. Uh, The full trade was the Cavaliers, Cleveland, traded Olari Markkinen, Ochai Igbaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks, and two pick swaps for um, Donovan Mitchell. Cleveland Cavs, they stole... Donovan Mitchell from uh, Utah Jazz. I don't care. People were talking about seven first-round picks, six first-round picks for the New York Knicks. And that the Knicks couldn't get this deal done. And to me, Cleveland, they get an A for this deal. Uh, I love this deal for them because they send three first-round picks. With this team, those picks aren't going to be super high. Colin Sexton, you weren't going to give him a new deal, especially with Garland as your starter. Uh, you kind of wanted to move off him, so to me, that's good. Uh, Igbaji, to me, can has the potential to be a really good player. We just don't know. And then Larry Markkinen uh, is, to me, a good stretch for uh, power forward, but he's kind of a liability defensively uh, in his effort and hustle you know, for a full game. And you get Donovan Mitchell. You get Vespita. You pair him with Darius Garland, 
to me, that is the best offensive backcourt in the league. Move. I'm sorry, you know, DeJounte Murray and Trey Young might be a little better overall if you want to bring in defense, but best offensive scoring backcourt, it's Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Yes, they might be a liability defensively. That's fine. You better make your perimeter shots because they've got interior defenders. You got two all stars on the backcourt, and then you got all stars in the front court. You got Jarrett Allen and Mobley who can lock down in there. They have four potential all stars in their starting lineup. So, again, do I think they're going to be this great team that's going to win the East next year? No, but they got better. To me, they're a top six team. They don't got to worry about the playing now with this team. And with the Jazz, I'll give them a B. Yes, they got rid of their guy. They're in a full rebuild now. Uh, it seems like, you know, to me, you know, I can see them moving off Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley now uh, to really submit their, you know, first-round draft pick lottery odds. So good for the Cleveland Cavs. Love this trade for them. Uh, I think they're making noise now, and the team's also very young. All those guys around the 25-year-old mark, so they're going to be very good for quite a while. And I think now with those guys, they can also attract future uh, free agents to this team here in Cleveland. Uh, but, you know, sorry to the Knicks. The Knicks thought they had them. And they also had a good deal. They had the three first-round picks in there. I think Obi Toppin, uh, R.J. Barrett, and another player. Uh, that deal fell apart, and they jumped on this one. The Cleveland Cavs jumped on it, so good for them uh, doing that. Uh, great move. But to me, it also makes me think, uh, you know, LeBron you know, lost your leverage. Because if LeBron waits an extra week to do his deal, you know, he still has all this leverage. It's, you know, all these eyes now are looking at Donovan Mitchell now with the Cavs. It's like, what's the only spot they're missing? Small forward. Yes, Karis LeVert will be in there. But you pair LeBron with Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Mobley, they're winning it all. That's a team that will win it all. I don't care if LeBron's 38, 39 years old. That team's winning it all. Uh, so I think LeBron overplayed his hand. Uh, if I'm LeBron, I'm upset because if championships are what matter, I really could have forced some leverage here and said, I'll be out for Cleveland next year. I'll win a championship, and then I'll play where Bronny plays. So, LeBron, of course I'm still upset that you signed that contract and handicapped yourself to this pitiful Lakers team. Uh, but you do you. Uh, again, I think the Cavs are going to be a very good team this year, have one of the best backcourts in the league. Now moving on to college football. College football, the chancellors and the board members have agreed to expand the college playoff to 12 teams in 2026, and it could be done as early as 2024, so obviously not this season, and then ruling out next season as well because that would be the 2023 season. So this year we can enjoy, and next year, the last of the four-team playoffs. I think this is a great move, especially with the super conferences coming into play. USC, UCLA joining the Big Ten around that time. Texas, Oklahoma joining around that time. It's like, to me, it's, you know, if we had to just keep forwards, give me the two teams out of both those conferences, play each other, and we'll go from there. So with the 12 now, it expands it more with the super conference era. Of course, a lot of this is due to money. But now I just think this is better for the sport in terms of watchability uh, and, you know, just the magnitude now where this is sort of like an NFL playoff with 12 teams. It's an excellent, excellent move for college football. And, you know, a lot of people weren't fully on board with this a few months ago, 
And but that was before the super conferences were sort of coming into play. Now they get it done. Uh, they realize that now we have to. So I think it's great. I hope it comes sooner. I hope it does come as early as it can in the 2024 season. I think that would be great. Uh, especially now it's we no longer have these what if situations. It's like oh you know the five six we're so close to being in, in the number four. Now it's like. You have your college football rankings, which is your top 25 teams. 12 is essentially half of that. So, you know, it's not like, you know, the 12 and 13, I don't really care about that debate now. It's the top 12 team that's game on. It's let's play. Great move. I'm happy college football did this. Definitely more excited now moving forward for in the coming seasons, college football and how that now will impact players you know where they go it's not to win I have to go to Alabama or Georgia it's like hey I can broaden my range now I can expand and go to a Pac-12 school or another Big Ten school because you know it's greater of a chance I can play for the school I'd prefer to play for and also get a chance uh, to go to the big dance it's not reserved now just for the Alabama Oklahoma or Ohio States and Georgia's of the world but now I'm going to make my picks. Last week I made an unofficial pick. I picked Nebraska over Northwestern. That didn't work out for me. Now I'm making my official picks that the game day crew will be making tomorrow. I'm making mine. Florida State, LSU. I'm going with LSU. Florida State is spiraling down a tank dark hole of irrelevance. Whereas LSU was on the similar path, especially after they're only a couple of years removed from winning a national championship, but they make the right move. They get Brian Kelly. They have a decent recruiting class. Trans coupled that with a good couple gets from a transfer portal. I think LSU makes a big statement. Beats Florida State. Start the year off right. LSU. Clemson, Georgia Tech. To me, Clemson is going to rebound, start the year off better. Still not sold on their quarterback, DJ, but their defense is going to be the best in the league. Their defensive line with uh, Carter and Brees, terrific. Their secondary should also be good. So, yes, I'm taking Clemson, Clemson big in the game against Georgia Tech. North Carolina versus Appalachian State. Appalachian State had a you know surprisingly good year last year. But to me, North Carolina, since it is a Power 5 school, it's kind of on a different level. And I know week one, anything can happen. But I'm going with North Carolina week one. Houston, UTSA. UTSA started awfully good last year. I think they were 7-0, and 8-0. Uh, but to me, Houston's just a much better school. I'm picking Houston to win that game. Boise State, Oregon State. Odds makers, the favorite is going with Boise State. I want to pick Boise State. However, this game's in Oregon State. Uh, it's a night game. I think Oregon State has the potential to upset Boise State. I'm going with the upset here. I'm going with Oregon State. Uh, hope this one doesn't come back to bite me. San Diego State versus Arizona. Arizona was one of the worst schools last year uh, in college football. I'm going with San Diego State. I'm getting that easy one. Army versus Coastal Carolina. Army's stuck in this triple option type school, whereas Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers, have had decent runs in the past. I'm going with Coastal Carolina again in this one. Louisville and Syracuse. Louisville, to me, has an excellent quarterback. Malik Cunningham, I think, is going to have a breakout year this year. So I think Louisville runs over Syracuse and really opens the eyes, you know, of some of the media members and says, hey, maybe Louisville Clemson, that old rivalry we had, uh, maybe we can renew that this year. Cincinnati, Arkansas. I was never a fan of Cincinnati last year. I was happy they got smacked down by Alabama in the first round. Now Cincinnati plays another SEC team, Arkansas, and their coach Pittman has Got this crew going. They improved a lot last year. He's in his second year now as head coach. Now we'll see. You know, Cincinnati lost a lot of talent. They lost their top two cornerbacks in Sauce Gardner 
and Kobe Bryant. They lost Desmond Ritter. How can Luke Fickle retool his team to stay relevant so that it wasn't just a one-and-done season? Who knows? Who cares? Because they won't be relevant after this game. Arkansas wins wins big against Cincinnati. Utah versus Florida. Utah's playing in the swamp. Very tough place to play. To me, expectations are high for Utah with Cameron rising in this very good team. Who knows what to expect out of Florida and their quarterback, Anthony Richardson. But I think Utah goes into the swamp. It's a close game. Utah pulls it out. They beat Florida. Oregon, Georgia. To me, this is tough. I'm picking Georgia, but this is a tough one. Uh, Oregon's ranked 11, Georgia 3. There's been 11, you know, 3 versus 11 matchups. And the three, the team seeded three has gone, or ranked three, has gone five and six. That doesn't bode well for Georgia, especially since this is a neutral site game. It's not in Georgia. Couple that with the fact that the Oregon head coach was the defensive coordinator at Georgia the past few years, won the national title last year under Kirby Smart. So this has a lot of good storylines, drama. Oregon's recruited good, uh, had a decent transfer portal. Georgia's also lost a ton of talent in the draft last year. So I think while their defense three pieces, it's up to Stetson Bennett in their offense. And I'm not entirely sold on Stetson Bennett. So I think this game is closer than the 17-point spread that they have favored for Georgia. Uh, I think Oregon has a chance to pull this one off. I'm picking Georgia. My head is but my heart really wants me to pick Oregon, and I would love to see Oregon pull off an early upset against Georgia. Now, finally, Notre Dame-Ohio State. This one's also around that 17-point mark. I think Ohio State dominates. I think C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Travion Henderson, offense, steamrolls Notre Dame off the field by the first half. Don't think this game is relatively close or competitive outside of the first quarter. and, you know, other than just the representatives of these two great historical schools, that's kind of about all we'll get from this game uh, is Ohio State wins convincingly. So those are my game day picks. Now moving on to what has been a question topic in the golf world. It should lift go- live uh, tour players, live golfers, be able to play in majors, Hasn't really been decided on much, but, you know, you've had a couple of people, Phil Mickelson, say he thinks he'll play in the Masters next year. Bubba Watson has said that if the Masters don't want him, well, he doesn't want to be there. Well, you know, I don't really care. I mean, Cameron Smith said he doesn't like how Liv doesn't qualify for official world golf ranking points and how that might affect him in five years when he's no longer exempt from uh, the – uh, majors, major tournaments. Well, here's a news flash for all of the live golfers. I think their live golfers, I really don't think they think this through. I think they like to come across like they thought deep about this decision they had. No, they did not. No. Uh, they took a look at that check with a bunch of zeros attached to it, uh, six, seven of them. And that was it. It was, sign me up. I like getting this guaranteed money right now. Uh, When do I start? I don't think they really thought it through. Bubba saying, oh, crap, I might not be able to play at my favorite tournament where I've won two championships again. Uh, I don't think Cameron Smith thought it through either. Like, hey, I'm a bright young star. When do people most turn in to watch golf? It's some major tournaments, Uh, especially with Liv. You know, they want to talk about fans. Uh, They don't have a large fan base, and it's hard to get a large fan base when you're only broadcasted on, like, a YouTube channel and there's no really media recognition. So, again, this is things players should think through. Should live golfers be able to play in majors? Yes, but here's my exception. Only those who have won majors before. So that would mean that only former PGA Tour players would be able to 
play Liv. It's not the newcomers that, uh, you know, just sign Liv to get the money because they've never won a major. So these are the list of players that with Liv have won majors. Grand McDowell, he won his U.S. Open like 20 years ago. He's way past his prime. Should he play in majors? Yeah, he's earned an exemption for winning a U.S. Open. I think he should play. But then again, he's not a high-ticket value. Martin Keimer, again, former U.S. Open and PGA champion. He had a string of greatness 10 years ago. Hasn't been relevant, so live kind of home run hitters are not looking good. Charles Schwartzel, never much of a big name, but he did win a Masters, so I think he should be able to play in the majors. However, again, not a big, uh, you know, money name for major tours. Bubba Watson. Former two-time Masters champion and big crybaby about, you know, his live thing. But again, like I said, I don't think he thought it through. Uh, and again, he's not really a big draw as much as he used to be. So here you are, your Graham McDowell, Martin Keimer, Charles Schwartz, Lizella Watson. No, not that enticing. Louis Ustazen, former Open Championship, kind of only played majors. So I don't know why he really went to live if he was trying to Win some more majors if that's all you want to do. Uh, but again, he's getting older. Sergio Garcia, former Masters champion, kind of controversial, uh, but past his prime as well. Patrick Reed, another former Masters champion, uh, also nicknamed on the PGA Tour. Table for one. Nobody liked Patrick Reed. He was a controversial guy. He's, you know, wants Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy to show up to court. So sorry, Patrick Reed, but you can come at the majors because you've won. Again, not a big draw. Henrik Stenson, former Open champion, uh, hasn't done much since. Now, here's to where we get some big names. Uh, Henrik Stenson, or Cameron Smith, just won the Open. To me, that's the biggest draw. You can let him play some majors. And to me, that's one of the biggest guys Liv has. The rest I've named, you know, are recognizable names, but they're no longer the the big draws it used to be. Bryson DeChambeau, very polarizing figure. Not a lot of people on the PGA liked him either, but he won a U.S. Open. You can let him in. Brooks Kepka, four-time major. He had a string there two, three years of just dominance and majors up there. But with his knee injuries and not really liking to play tournaments, uh, it kind of hurt him. And he's kind of, like I said, had a lot of injuries, hasn't really been relevant in the majors, but he was a decent loss. Another big loss, I thought Dustin Johnson, two-time major, let him in. Phil Mickelson, the kingpin of it, of it all, former champion. Yes, you can let him play. So that's your list of golfers who can play because they've won majors. Not a very long list, um, and much of them not very good anymore. So you can have that. Again, most of those majors, you know, are Brooks Kepka and Phil Mickelson. You know, they're really the – Major winners, you know, Brooks won four, Phil Mickelson five, uh, Bubba Watson, Martin Keimer, Dustin Johnson won two, the rest of the group was on one. And then there's a lot of guys that never won uh, there, you know, the Ian Poulters, the Lee Westwoods, uh, the guys who like to bark, but they can't back up their play on the golf uh, course. So I get it. You know, it's still this big deal. So if live golfers should be able to play majors, yes, the ones that have won majors before. And last but not least, can Serena Williams win it all? And I'm talking about the U.S. Open here. Can she win the U.S. Open? Yes, she absolutely can. She's the GOAT, and she said it best that she has nothing to prove, uh, and she has absolutely nothing to lose. She is playing with house money right now, uh, you know, the 50 to 1 odds to start. Uh, and she's just been great in her first two matches. Uh, the forehand's been excellent. Backhand's been dominant. The serve looks like the best serve out of women's tennis. So to me, you know, now that she beat who is ranked number two in the WTA uh, on Wednesday, now she's going in. She has a very favorable side of the field now that she has beat her, uh, you know, We'll see who comes out of the other side. But I think Serena Williams, come next weekend, next Saturday, she will be playing in the finals of the U.S. Open to win number 24, 
to tie Margaret Court for most Grand Slams won. And I think she's going to do it. I do think that she will win another U.S. Open at 24. It's been a long five years, and the crowd's been, you know, backing her. Uh, I was there in 2019 when Serena was at the U.S. Open Finals. I was there, big uh, match, watched her play Andreescu and Serena Williams. You know, or I'm my bad, the crowd was not backing Serena as much as they were now where they're kind of cheering for the opponent's double faults and their mistakes, something you usually don't do. But since it's the U.S. Open and it's possibly Serena's last tournament, yeah, people are doing that and people don't care and everybody's on Serena's side. And it's amazing to see. And yes, I think Serena is going to win the U.S. Open. I've been wanting her to win number 24 for five years now. Uh, or four years now. So hopefully this gets done and I believe she'll do it. So this has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all next week. Hope you all have a great weekend. Bye everybody.